0: Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Morning, everyone. They're still going quietly Emma. a minute. <laughs> Just you. Shall we pray together? So Father, we step into your space. And we ask that your kingdom will flow. We don't want to be a club here today. We want to be a people who encounter a living and amazing God. We want to be a people who... Fall deep in love with a living and amazing God. This is not a club. This is an encounter movement. People who want to experience God afresh. We're not coming because this is a memory thing. We're not coming because someone's told us to. We're here because we want to meet with you. We want to say we love you. I want to say I love you. I want to say I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to be Jesus to a people who desperately need Jesus. And so would you speak this morning? Would this not be ordinary? Would this not be boring? Would this not be the kind of stuff that we always do? Would this be God? I love you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is Malala Yousafzai. At the age of just 11, Malala... What am I doing with this today? Malala wrote a blog about the Taliban government uh, in Afghanistan. And the Taliban government were denying girls the right to go to school. In October 2012, the Taliban responded by storming her school bus and shooting Malala. But miraculously, Malala survived. And after she recovered from her injuries... She became the greatest champion for women's right to education right across the globe. We like Malala, yeah? yeah? All right. But this is Jack andreka In 2012, at the age of just 15, Jack, in a biology class in school, any science teachers here? All right. In a biology class at school, he developed a sensor which today enables doctors To detect both pancreatic and lung cancer at a very early stage. We like Jack, yeah? All right. But but we also like this dude. This is Boyan Slat. In 2013, at the age of just 19, Boyan began developing the Ocean Clean Up, a system of floating corks designed to remove plastic from the world's oceans. In October 2019, Boyan successfully removed a mound of floating plastic, the size of the country of France, from the Pacific Ocean by simply harnessing the movement and the power of the sea. Malala, Jack, and Boyan, at the ages of 11, 15, and 19, they found their calling, they found their purpose, And they found their destiny in life. And over the next few weeks on Sunday mornings, we are on a mission to go find ours. Uh, To help us do that, we're going to be checking out the story of three dudes that we find in the pages of the Bible to see what their calling, their purpose, their destiny has got to go say to you and me today. The title of this stuff is called Destiny. Destiny. There we go. And together, we're going to be checking out the life of a lady called Esther, and a fella called Gideon, and a fella called Nehemiah. And we kicked off Nehemiah's dramatic story just last Sunday. Was anybody here? Was anyone listening? So, previously, Nehemiah is bothered. He's seriously bothered. The year is 446 BC. That's 446 years before Jesus was born. Nehemiah, alongside a whole bunch of dudes, a whole bunch of Jewish dudes, is living in exile in a place called Persia, which we call modern day Iraq. And Nehemiah hears news about his homeland, about Judah, about Jerusalem, and he's bothered. He's seriously bothered. The reason? Check out Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3. It says this, The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And so Nehemiah wants to go do something about it. He wants to go rebuild the walls. He wants to go repair the gates. He wants to go rebuild the city of Jerusalem to its former glory. He wants to go and put a smile on the face of his God. This is his calling. This is his purpose. This is his destiny. And so he gets all couraged up. And he goes, asks the king of Persia for permission to go fulfill his destiny. To go do the thing that God has placed him on planet earth to go do. And unbelievably, the king says, yes. Can you grab your Bibles? Um, can you switch them on, open them up, and uh, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah? Or if not, just look at the screens ahead of you. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 11. Nehemiah chapter 2, going to read from verse 11. It says this, I, Nehemiah, went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days... I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gates towards the jackal well and the dung gate. Who would like to live near the dung gates? Nobody. Okay. Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate in the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up by the valley to get through. I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gates. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me they replied let's start rebuilding and so they began this good work let's skip on to chapter 3 and verse 1 and lots of names are you ready Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zucur, son of Imri, built next to them. The Fish Gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Meramoth son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshebel, or something like that, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. We don't like them, do we? Good. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joiada, the son of Pashia and Meshalam, son of Beshadiah. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. I think Nehemiah might have had a problem with alcohol. He keeps on talking about putting bars in place everywhere. OK. OK, now I've lost my place. Okay. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon, and Jadon of Merenoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of him. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, we like perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramuth, made repairs opposite his house. And Hattush, son of that man with a long name, made repairs next to him. Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of him, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. <laughs> and so on, and so on, and so on. The, the really difficult names come up soon. Okay. So, so, so what have we got? We've got... Um, Actually, I think those names are all really important. I actually think those names are really crucial to understanding how many people took their part, did their role, did their stuff, fulfilled their destiny in order to put a smile on the face of King Jesus. So Nehemiah, what happens is that he moses on down to Jerusalem and goes, checks out the damage for himself in secrets. God's holy city's in a right proper mess. But it's his calling, his purpose his destiny to go rebuild it. But he's going to need huge amounts of help. So he goes, gathers a whole bunch of people and talks to them all about destiny. He goes, gathers a whole bunch of people to go get them on board. Check out these words once again, verses 17 and 18 of chapter 2. Here we go. Let's read them together. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And their response check this out, verse 18, all together, let's start rebuilding. And the response, you know what, is unbelievable. 40 different individuals and 17 Individual groups of people are listed as helping to restore the walls, as helping to repair the gates, as helping to rebuild the glory of Jerusalem. 40 different individuals, 17 groups of people, are listed as helping to fulfill Nehemiah's destiny, but actually as helping to go fulfill their own destiny. Everyone doing their bit. Everyone doing their stuff. The stuff that God had placed in their hands to go do, everyone fulfilling their calling, everyone fulfilling their purpose, everyone fulfilling their destiny, from jewelers to perfume makers, from businessmen to pastors, from a whole bunch of girls to a whole bunch of posh boys, everyone doing their bit, with the notable exception of the naughty, naughty nobles of Tekoa. Check out chapter 3 and verse 5. But everyone else doing their bits to go rebuild the city of God. And you know what? If you want to know the next bit of the story, you've got to rock up next week, where Joel's going to be taking us through the concluding bit of Nehemiah. You up for coming next week? You've got an audience of thirteen next week. That's good. That's good. Manchester City get that most weeks. (laughs) All right. Sorry, Eddie. (laughs) Kind of nice story, yeah? Okay. But what in the blazes has it got to say to you and me here in Poynton today? What in the blazes has it got to say to you and me about following your calling, following your purpose, following your destiny? Well, guys, I kind of think it says two things. Here's thing number one. Fulfilling your destiny takes a whole bunch of gumption, okay? Fulfilling your destiny takes a whole bunch of gumption. Guys, getting your call, getting your purpose, getting your destiny in life ain't enough, okay? You've got to go do something about it. Getting your call, getting your purpose, and getting your destiny ain't enough, You've got to have the gumption, the get up and go, the courage to go make it happen. Imagine this. Imagine if way back in the day, uh, in the citadel of Susa, way back in the empire of Persia, Nehemiah had heard about the mess that Jerusalem was in. And despite realizing this was his calling, this was his purpose, this was his destiny, it was the thing that God had placed in his hand to go do, to go fulfill, to go achieve, Bottled it. He bottled it because he didn't have the gumption. He didn't have the get up and go. He didn't have the courage to go make it happen. What would have been the outcome? The walls would still have been destroyed, wouldn't they? The gates would still have been burnt down. God's holy city, built to bring glory to God, would be doing anything other than that. Guys, Nehemiah had the gumption of you. Guys, over these um, few winter months, we're going to be spending a whole bunch of time trying to work out our calling together and trying to work out our purpose together and trying to work out our destiny together. The thing, all the things that God's gone and placed in our hand to go do. The thing, all the things that God wants us to achieve for him before he zaps us off to go spend eternity singing with the angels. When we've done that, when when we've understood our calling, when we've understood our purpose, when we've understood our destiny, we've then got to have the gumption to go make that happen. So if your destiny is to go and run a food bank or a furniture bank, or if it's your destiny to be an amazing mum or an awesome granddad, or if it's your destiny to go make Jesus famous or to go make amazing disciples of him, or if it's your destiny to go build business, or go build community, or if it's your destiny to go kick a football, or go sing in a choir, or if it's your destiny to befriend the lonely, uh, or open a school for the excluded, get on and do it. you catch catching my drift. Take it to the next level. The almighty God of heaven and earth is actually trusting you with something. The almighty God of heaven and earth who can snap out your life like that is actually trusting you with something special to go do. The almighty God of heaven and earth is trusting you with your destiny. So why don't you try this year go put a smile on his face by making your dream a reality. You see, fulfilling your destiny takes a whole Bunch of gumption. Are you up for a bit of that? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the second thing there. When it comes to destiny, everyone gets to play. When it comes to destiny, everyone's included. You see, guys, getting cool, getting, getting your purpose, getting your destiny ain't limited to a select bunch of people the almighty God of heaven and earth, just loves to call, just loves to give a purpose, just loves to give a destiny to every single person on planet earth. You see, Nehemiah had his calling. Nehemiah had his purpose. Nehemiah had his destiny to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But there was no way in the whole world that he could go do that by himself. He needed a whole bunch of people to go make certain that the job got done. And so God gave 40 different individuals and 17 groups of people their own individual callings, their own individual purposes, their own individual destinies to go rebuild the bit of wall sitting directly in front of their house. And it was only when Nehemiah, and 40 different individuals and 17 groups of people had fulfilled their individual destinies that the walls of Jerusalem got built. Are you with me? Guys, we actually need to do the same. Let's think about the kingdom of Jesus for a moment. Kingdom of Jesus, what is it? It's a kingdom of peace. Kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of justice. Kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom of love. And above all, it's the kingdom of salvation. The kingdom of Jesus is a place where hungry people get fed, uh, where naked people get clothed, where homeless people get housed. The uh, kingdom of Jesus is the kind of place where refugees get welcomed, where the lonely get loved, and the whole world gets to go meet with King Jesus. Guys, you and I are called to go build that kingdom, to go reveal that kingdom To go take that kingdom to Poynton, to Cheshire, to Manchester, to infinity and beyond. Guys, that ain't one person's destiny. That's a destiny for everyone. Everyone's called to go build, everyone's called to go reveal, everyone's called to go take. But in that kingdom, in the kingdom of Jesus, we've all got our own individual callings. We've all got our own individual purposes. We've all got our own individual destinies to go fulfill. In the kingdom of Jesus, we've actually all got our bit of wall to build. Are you with me? We've all got our bit of wall to go build. Now, it would be an absolute car crash if I decided to go build John Tom's's wall in the whole world of business and computer stuff. And I'm guessing it would probably be a car crash if he decided to come and try and build my wall, that he'd probably do a better job than I'm doing. Okay. And I think it would actually be a bit of a car crash if Joel Whitewood here decided to go and build Scott Whittaker's wall in the world of rendering. And possibly it would be a car crash if Scott decided to go and build Joel's wall in terms of worship leading, though a little birdie tells me that... Um, Scott and music have got a bit of a history that we're going to work out together. Is that right? <laughs> oh. Are you catching my drift, guys? Yeah? You know, I've been leading churches now in three countries for the past 20 plus years. And in 20 plus years, I've encountered people trying constantly to build other people's walls. Constantly trying to build other people's walls doing it with their whole might, constantly trying to build other people's walls. And what happens every single time they fail miserably and it's a car crash. Guys, stop it. Stop it. Identify the stuff that God has put in your hands. Identify your calling. Identify your purpose. Identify your destiny. Go and build the wall that's directly in front of your house. That's a metaphor, by the way. Go and build the wall directly in front of your house. And hey-ho, guess what happens? Hey, presto, the kingdom of Jesus goes and gets built. Guys, when it comes to destiny, everyone gets to play. Just make certain that you're playing your part and you're not trying to nick somebody else's. Can I show you this again? Those of you who were here last week saw me put this thing up on the screen. The Destiny Square. Um, my wall is not to do things with computers, and I know that's a rectangle, okay? But um, that's a square, okay? A Destiny Square, okay? It's got four corners to it, and, and somehow... We have to try and answer these four questions. It might not work for you, but it might work for you. Uh, First one is, what is your biggest complaint? What keeps you up at night? What annoys you? What bugs you? we move on to the other corner. What's your wildest dream? What gets you up in the morning? Uh, Let's drop down to the bottom. What is your deepest joy? And then moving on to, what is your greatest gift? Let me try and work that through once again in the life of Nehemiah. What was Nehemiah's biggest complaint? Walls of Jerusalem were down. It really bugged him, okay? What was his wildest dream? What got him up in the morning? The walls would be rebuilt, okay? What was his deepest joy? His deepest joy is probably that worship of the high king of heaven and earth would take place once again in the city of Jerusalem. That there would be worship in the temple of Jerusalem. That people would be calling on the name of El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, once again in that beautiful city. What was his greatest gift? He was... Well, he had gumption, didn't he? He had the get up and go. He could help people get things going. He was the motivator. He was the the guy who could get things happening, okay? And so all those four things were answered, and in the middle, he found his destiny. Has anyone over the last seven days found their destiny? One, Rob, you have as well. Two, three. Okay, we're working on it. That's really good. Four people that is absolutely fantastic. Do you know what? As anyone else, I'm not actually going to ask you to come to the front. Okay, I'm not loaded with a microphone. As anyone else, um, but could I ask you to do something bold? Tonight in our vision night, would you come and tell us? Okay, would you come and tell us what your destiny is? What's God placed you on planet Earth to go do? Okay, come and chat with me afterwards. We'd love to hear your story, wouldn't we? Awesome. But guys, if you haven't yet worked this thing out, can I encourage you this week in our prayer week to go do some serious prayer? Can I encourage you this week in our prayer week to go do some serious seeking, to go do some serious working out of your destiny so that you can actually go do the thing that God has placed you on planet Earth to go do? Guys, it's it's a new year. It's 2020. My dream this year is that every single person in this beautiful room, We'll reach the end of the year and realize this is what my God wants me to do. These are the plans. These are the purposes. This is the desire of my God for my life. This is what it's all about. Have you found yours yet? If not, let's pray together. for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.